You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely and under-the-weather partner, Dr. Jess. How yeah. are you doing? Oh, I got a little bit of a, a raspy voice. I've lost my voice. Got your sexy voice going on. Yeah, I got a little cold, but I think I also wore myself out singing karaoke. It was pretty epic last holiday week. party that we had yeah. last week for our staff. It included four and a half hours of karaoke at our house screaming, and I'm sure the neighbors were not pleased. The neighbors were fine, but Brandon was upset because he had to actually share the karaoke mic with 18 other people. Yeah, and just to touch on that quickly, I wasn't terribly pleased with the the song selection. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, it was a lot of fun. We did we had we sang a number of ridiculous songs. Yeah, Brandon sang "Throw Some D's on That." I did. Yes, I uh, didn't need the lyrics for that one. So it's it's the holidays, and I'm under the weather, which is a little disappointing. But it happens when you go really hard. When you take a break, what happens? Your body is like, oh, I need to recover. Remember that thing I've been fighting off? Here it is for you. And this tends to happen for us quite frequently where it's on our downtime that we end up getting sick. And I think, like you said, it's because you go so hard. So any suggestions on what we should do next year to fix this? <laughs> Not go so hard. <laughs> Not go so hard. Yeah, it's it's been a nice holiday season. It hasn't been too stressful but I had some stress coming from some people close to me that ultimately I could have chosen not to take on. So that's a lesson for next year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but it's been a good one. We're going into 2020. And what we're thinking for today is that we'd like to talk about this sexual values questionnaire. So a big part of my work involves distilling the research, but also putting it into practice and creating tools for my groups and my clients to learn more about themselves, learn more about their partner or partners. And one of the most, I would say, most common formats that I offer in terms of tools involves questionnaires or interviews. So questions that you ask and answer with your partner. So you'll come across Many of these in flashcards, in different quizzes, in different apps. And so I continue to tweak mine every couple of months, according to the groups I work with. And this sexual values exercise comes from a recent event I did with All Day Fit, which is a fitness group and practice in Toronto. But they're a little bit different than a lot of other fitness groups. They're really focused on community and on feeling good. They're not focused on weight loss or a specific body type or anything like that. I mean, if you want to get abs, they'll support you in getting abs, but that's not their, their primary focus. I'd like to get one ab. Just one. I have one ab. Can I get more? <laughs> yeah, I'll take one and a half abs. So in, in this program that I designed for them, we went through a number of exercises. And the first one involved 
understanding your own sexual values because again oftentimes when there is a deficit or frustration or challenge in our sex lives we look to our partner we look to the relationship and many of us have never had the chance to consider our own sexual values and so I encourage people to take time to go through these sexual values questions on your own and with a partner to help you better understand yourself help you better understand your partner or partners and just to give you a bit of context this sexual values questionnaire is followed up by a number of other questionnaires including uh, one on relational desires and values so the first part is about sex the second part is about relationships Uh, we also have an intimacy interview which we'll probably do in an upcoming podcast we have a time management discussion because that's a big topic about which couples fight and dr rachel needle was actually talking about that just last week how we fight about time money sex and kids and now technology we also have an emotional expression activity and then finally uh, monogamy versus ethical non-monogamy discussion so this is a series of questionnaires and we're just going to go through the first one right now and i'm not going to provide too much context i think it's probably uh, more interesting for me at least (laughs) if brandon and i just go through the questions together and answer them with one another honestly as a a model of what it might look like. Of course, yours could look entirely different, different and that's perfectly fine. We don't have the gold star standard of relationship. We're working through things like, like everybody else. Yeah. I mentioned that to a family member yesterday who listens and said that it seems like everything is a work in progress. And I would agree that I think we're all looking for a quick fix, whether it's in health or mental health, physical health, money, work, money, kids, time. And what I've really come to learn over the years is you just chip away a little bit, heading in the right direction. And eventually you really start to reap the benefits of these activities. But we live in in an environment, a society where we want a quick fix. And unfortunately, it's not always like that. Yeah. And we have to stop striving for perfection as well. Yeah, that's dangerous because I know that I was guilty of being, I'm a perfectionist, when in reality, that really hinders progress. Absolutely. All right, so we'll get started with the sexual values questionnaire. We're going to post it on our website at sexwithdrjess.com on the podcast page, so you can pick it up there and download it. Uh, I think what we'll do is just read through question by question, take take turns answering them. I don't know if we're going to get through the whole discussion, it depends how much we talk. I might talk a little less than usual because this poor voice of mine is just waiting to recover. So Brandon, you might do more talking. We'll see how it goes. And if we don't finish the questionnaire, we'll finish it next week. I was going to keep this episode a quickie episode because it's the holidays, but also because my little voice wants to recover. And if I don't recover, if I don't let my throat recover i don't get to enjoy all the delicious food that we're eating so my priority is food y'all come second (laughs) i like the sexy voice i'm feeling hey girl hey girl how you doing (laughs) hey you want to come under this blanket with me hey girl i just ate a can of beans Okay. <laughs> is that sexy? No. Do you like that? <laughs> I'm a Dutch oven <laughs> under these covers, girl. Come on, girl. Come on, it's a sexy time. Breathe through your nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> All right. 
So our first question in our sexual values questionnaire, I'll let you answer first, Brendan. What messages did you receive about sex growing up? I'm going to sound very critical, I'm sure, of my parents and my upbringing saying this, and I didn't receive many. I had a discussion that I recall, and maybe I had others when I was probably 16, 17, around that age, or maybe it was 17 or 18, where I, my parents said to me, don't come home with a child. That was the bulk of what I recall. And like I said, there may have been others, but they didn't sit with me. In school, I went, even though I'm not Catholic, I went to a Catholic school. For the hockey team. True. I went to play <laughs> hockey because they had a hockey team. So I played hockey for them for a few years. And this, the message that I received from my school was the uh, through my religion class, which was the rhythm method. And in retrospect, that's frightening because a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy, because uh, that, that's what I was, a boy, trying to coordinate with your partner if you had one. Which you didn't. Which I didn't, <laughs> well, which was my hand, so it was totally fine. The rhythm method was whenever we felt like it. But if I had had a, a steady partner, the thought of trying to coordinate with them their cycle so that we didn't get pregnant and had nothing to do with uh, sexual, um, sexually transmitted infections. Or pleasure. Or pleasure at all. So, you know, I, I, my messages weren't very good in my opinion. And it was only through uh, really attributing most of my knowledge to you and just you and your friends, because when we met you were the uh, one of the coordinators of the sexual, uh, what was it, the sexual education center with the University of Toronto, and you know obviously you guys were all very forward thinking, very progressive, you know awareness, and uh, I think that's when I started to really get the messages around healthy sexuality, um, healthy sexual practices, and then like I said at the beginning, this has been a process that you know we've been together for almost two decades and. I've learned, I learned something new every day. So you learned the rhythm method. Can anyone imagine like a 15 year old saying to their partner, how is your cervical mucus today? Yes. Wouldn't have had any idea what that was. <laughs> Still don't. Still don't. Yeah. Well, also I would imagine in the Catholic school, cause I also went to a Catholic junior school. So I had a similar curriculum to you that they, they were teaching abstinence. The rhythm method was for within marriage. Yeah. I mean, abstinence was probably number one. Clearly that didn't resonate with me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, no, let's forget about that. Did they talk about masturbation? Cause you talk about your right hand being your partner. Did they tell you not to masturbate? No, I don't remember them telling me not to masturbate. And if they did again, just did not register with me. It was very superficial. Um, very, yeah, I don't recall very much about it. I got through five years of religion and I couldn't tell you a single thing about the Bible, like very few. So what was taught to me in that class did not I did not absorb. Mm -hmm. Didn't yeah. resonate with you. You might not have been listening. I definitely wasn't listening. I was just <laughs> trying to keep my head down so that they didn't call upon me to say anything in that class. <laughs> to say the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I, yes. I remember all of my prayers, actually. So when, when you think about other messages, was there anything around whom you should have sex with, when it's okay to have sex, any of those sexual values? Ooh, very deep question there, extending beyond what I was expecting you to ask of me. Uh, there was certainly a performative masculine role that 
carried over from the sports that I played, uh, which is funny because there was a homoerotic element to to uh, to sex within those sports when I think back on it. Like it was, there was stuff there, like guys would joke around and, and stuff. I mean, you're 14 years old and 15 years old, you're showering after a hockey practice. Did you play sword fights? No, we didn't play sword <laughs> fights. Um, and it was just all of a sudden you're naked with a group of guys. What so was that like? You're kind of forced to be comfortable. You're uncomfortable, but comfortable with yourself because all of a sudden, and again, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're all, show, you're showering with a group of 14 year old or 15 year old guys after practice because you stink and your parents are like don't come in the car for an, a two-hour car ride <laughs> back from wherever we were playing a game to go home and smelling bad so all of a sudden you're if you chose you're taking a shower after hockey and um it was just different when you say homoerotically was it joking around was it smacking of butts it, it was stuff like that so it was joking around and and smacking butts and you know grabbing somebody else from behind and, and joking around like pretending you know like pretending to to hump them to hump them and, and things like that uh and i don't know if that was normal or that was just the environment that we we're in but anyway that there was a performative element there was also a lot of talk about in this case about women uh there was the assumption by default that everybody was hetero do you think that some of that homoeroticism and joking around was rooted in homophobia? Yes, definitely. Like laughing at the possibility of, it, of it, that. It was, and not something that I think most of us would look back and be proud about, but it was something that was a joke. It was funny. And how did anybody who, I don't, I'm not friends with a lot of those people that I played hockey with. It was so long ago. But if any of them, came out, I wonder how our actions affected them. And now that I think about it, it doesn't, it's not something that I would have been happy with. You know, the 41 year old Brandon is certainly not happy with perhaps the 14 or 15 year old Brandon about joking and possibly making somebody else feel uncomfortable. Uh, so I, you know, in reference to sports and the messages that were conveyed, it was very, uh, very focused on heterosexual activity. It was very performative. You talked about the opposite sex and, you know, what you, what you, who was hot and who wasn't. And it wasn't, I would again, imagine that it wasn't in a very respectful way. So I think it's very important now, if we were to have a child that I would want to make sure that that young man or that young woman did speak and afforded respect to anybody that they were talking about at any given point of time. So again, messages that I learned now that I would want to make sure are conveyed to somebody else to make sure that there's uh, respect. I remember you talking about the idea that you were supposed to be chasing sex as well as a guy. Yeah, definitely. Like, and grateful for it. You're always supposed to be chasing sex at least again i was my experience as that, a, how'd that work out <laughs> as a young man i chased it a lot i never caught it uh unless the catching of your own hand was something that you know you could aspire towards but no but even that language of chasing um puts the onus of responsibility on guys to go after girls it i think reinforces the notion that you need to be aggressive. It reinforces the notion that the women, young women are gatekeepers of sexuality. 
Yeah. These, these are messages I, I also grew up with. Well, again, thinking about the toxic masculinity message that is reinforced through a lot of these activities. And again, I don't play organized sports like I used to. I still see the messages in the locker rooms being conveyed. When you go to when hockey. When I go to hockey, when I played. Yeah, every now and then I'll play. And I still hear the messages. I don't engage. I have spoken out and, you know, forced to put myself into awkward, uncomfortable situations because... Not think, as awkward as the people that are being no, harassed. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying that it is important when you have an opportunity to, to speak out and to show that you do not support the actions and the, and the, you know, the messages that are being thrown around. The misogyny, the transphobia, the homophobia. Now, I mean, this is just question number one. What messages did you receive about sex growing up? And it's interesting doing this activity with you reminds me that I should probably break down these questions with greater specificity for people to flesh it out. And I think sometimes looking to your past and understanding some of the early messages and some of the messages that have been embedded in your consciousness and subconsciousness over time can help you to better understand yourself, but also can help me to better understand, like when I think about a very simple context of men being the pursuers and women being chased in the hetero context, which I I acknowledge, of course, is entirely exclusionary. um, I can see why in relationships, women expect the same, right? So I might expect you to always initiate sex because that's what uh, that's the message with which I was raised. And I think about in the, in a same-sex relationship, why sex can be so much more fulfilling is because we don't have to fall into these binary gender roles as as you know strictly as you might in a relationship like ours. Uh, when I think about the messages I received about sex growing up, so I do remember vaguely that if I kind of touched myself. I think my mom told me that it's okay that it feels good and I needed to do that in my room. Like I couldn't do that, you know, out on the do it in public? On the steps. Yeah, I used to like rub against the um the what do you call them? Spindles of a of the, the staircase. Of a staircase, yeah. And when when you do this as a kid, you may not be doing it in the same way as an adult. But I remember it felt good, it felt relaxing, it felt pleasurable. I don't remember a ton of talk of pleasure. I was fortunate enough that my mom got me two books. One was called What's Happening to Me, and one was called um, Where Did I Come From? And they were these little cartoons that explained a lot and showed the different stages. I, I was definitely taught that sex was to be relegated to the confines of marriage. Uh, I remember being really upset when I was maybe in grade eight, and I have to tell you in grade eight, sex was the farthest thing from my mind. I hadn't even really kissed a boy until the very end of grade eight. And it was like a kiss on the lawn with all of my friends watching through the window. And I was like, oh my God, tongues are slimy. (laughs) That's what I remember thinking. But I remember I wanted to go to a party and my parents were sort of discussing, arguing about it. I could hear them. And I remember one of them saying, next thing you know, you're, you're gonna, she's going to come home and you'll have a granddaughter. And I remember being so upset by that because I, I just had, I didn't really understand, I understood what sex was, but it wasn't something I wanted to do. But what's the alternative? Do you know what I mean? Like not educating your children about the, the, the implications or the ramifications of their actions. I mean, ultimately there is the possibility of them coming home. 
with a grandchild. Right, but saying don't come <laughs> home with a kid is not adequate. So we no. know that abstinence education fails to delay the onset of sexual activity. We know that comprehensive sex education that acknowledges that abstinence is an option and engaging in sex is an option. We know that comprehensive sex education leads to enacting healthier sexual behaviors like using a condom or a dental dam, like saying, I'm okay with this, but I'm not okay with that. So we have a wealth of information suggesting that the more information you provide to young people, the better equipped they are. So when I think about the messages I received about sex growing up, um, it moves us into the next question, which is, what messages do you wish to retain and which ones do you want to reframe or discard or deconstruct? And I, one thing that I would have liked more of is an acknowledgement of pleasure. So I'm lucky in that I don't think I grew up with shame around sex. I don't think I was told that it was gross or dirty, at least not by my parents. By some of my friends, I was. I do remember that when I opted in to having sex with a boyfriend, and I've probably told this story before, a friend of mine said, tell me you're not a slut, tell me you're not a slut, tell me you're not a slut. And she was she was joking around. And I remember I had a, a condom hidden underneath the cotton of a paper jewelry box. And I kind of wanted her to see it so that I could talk to her about it. And we were, I would say we were kind of immature, right? I, I don't think I was behaviorally immature, but maybe emotionally and relationally immature. I didn't know how to have those conversations. But I remember being, I guess you could use the word slut shamed. Uh, to be honest, I didn't feel like a slut. And my rationale for not feeling like a slut is pretty judgy to begin with because I was with a guy that I'd been with for a long time and we loved each other and we talked about it. And so I rationalized my own decision according to cultural norms instead of simply acknowledging that, hey, I've decided to do this. I feel good about it. This is my body and I have this option. I don't know what messages I'd want to retain from my childhood or my adolescence because I don't feel like I had enough opportunity to have meaningful conversations. I think I would have loved more opportunity to have discussions about options and effective ways of communicating needs and wants and desires and, um, you know, ways to protect yourself. So how did it work for you when you first started having sex? I, I know it was with your, with, with a high school girlfriend at the, or you were, were you done high school? No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, Thank sorry. you though. Like, like I needed that. No, Hang on I'm just folks. Kidding. We had a grade 13 back then. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually first year <laughs> university old. for the folks today. <laughs> yeah. In Ontario, no. Canada, we had a five year high school back when we were in school. So when you did start having sex, did you talk about it? No, we didn't do any of that that I recall. It was something that just happened quickly. Uh, <laughs> and there was no discussion leading up to it or after it. And I'm sure that it made it awkward and uncomfortable. Actually, I remember feeling awkward after because I felt like the conversation had been had with her friends and I was self-conscious. What, about, what do you mean? Well, about, let's be honest for a second, how long the first session lasted, um, all sorts of things. How I'm many sure, pumps? How many, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could probably tell you how many. Well, you only have 10 fingers. Yes. 
Um, but everything from how long to how good to how, let's be honest, how big, oh. all, all sorts of things that probably went through my mind. And I remember feeling uh, uncomfortable that first um, group meeting after as to whether or not did she have a discussion with them? What are they thinking? Uh, thankfully, the second time that we engaged, it like lasted forever. Oh, really? Yeah, which I thought was super weird. Because um, you were nervous, maybe? Perhaps. But I forget now what your question was about. Well, I don't know. I just asked about your first time and, and you were just saying you messages. felt awkward. And what what I'm wondering, because we don't need to, you know, you don't have to rehash your childhood or your, your teenagehood. Oh, it's it's open book, Brandon, apparently, <laughs> on all these podcasts. <laughs> well, the reason I, I think it can be useful is I think you carry some of those concerns and insecurities into your adult relationships. Like when we first met, was that a concern for you? How long you lasted? No, it wasn't. Really? No, no, it wasn't. And I don't know why. Okay. I'm not sure. Because you always joked about it. So I always thought it was something that concerned you. Well, I think it is a joke. I tend to joke around a lot. I'm, you know, I, I, I make fun of my myself, I think, as a way to diffuse a situation, as I've always said, under promise, over deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so... But we joke around about that to alleviate some of the tension. So I still find myself doing that. And I, when we came into this relationship, no, I didn't really think too much about it. I had other insecurities about the, you, you know, when you and I first met, I, I was a barback finishing university. I didn't have two nickels to rub together. So there was this idea that I had about you that other you know other people could offer you more that that I couldn't so that insecurity really carried over for the first probably handful of years that we were together and it took me a long time to become comfortable and thankfully I had you really reinforcing that that wasn't important to you at all and I don't know that if I had had that assurance that I would have felt as comfortable as I was. And it was still something that I really grappled with. So there were other insecurities that weren't necessarily sexually related. So when we go back to this question, what messages do you want to retain and which ones do you want to reframe? Uh, I guess I'm thinking what comes to mind for me, as I said, is I'd like to talk, I would like... I would have liked to have a bit more talk of pleasure. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What one thing, one message I received that isn't specifically about sex but ties into sex is there was a lot of comfort with nudity in my house. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, <laughs> as you can imagine from having lived with my dad, Brandon. <laughs> So I do remember my parents not walking around naked, but walking to the bathroom naked. And our house was really small, so it was only a couple of steps. But I, I think that made me fairly comfortable with bodies, although I'm not totally comfortable always being naked with people. Uh, it really depends on power dynamics. I was thinking back to when I was in school, there were these different experiential exercises around sex that were, you know, optional. Um, but when you're studying sex, you're not just studying it from a book. You're not just studying the theory. But I remember going to these workshops where you had the option to, you know, be naked in a hot tub and and 
have all these hands holding you up, not in a sexual way at all, in a more energetic way. And I remember there were a couple people in my class who made me uncomfortable, who exercised their power and privilege over me because I was a younger woman, I was a woman of color, all of those things. And I, I was really uncomfortable. And I remember not getting naked. And I remember thinking, this isn't like me. What's wrong with me? Why don't I want to get naked? But I realize now, reflecting back, that when there are power dynamics at play, it really changes the way you feel about your body. So I might go to desire resorts and, and get naked on the beach and on the pier. But if someone comes up to me and says something that makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to want to wrap myself up. And in fact, I've received messages on Facebook from people who have made me uncomfortable, um, where not, not specifically at Desire, but at a, a different resort. I was naked, and I guess this person was there, and he sent me messages saying, like, oh, you look beautiful in that photo, but not as beautiful as you look on, looked on the beach, blah, 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 blah. And that, to me, felt like a, I don't know, a, a violation because I'm not naked for your pleasure. So anyhow, I guess that, that's a bit of a digression, but uh, that's something I'd like to retain is the body comfort or body neutrality or body positivity messages I didn't we didn't talk about the nitty-gritty of sex growing up uh, I'm lucky because when you know I use the word growing up that could be at any age so in my late teens very early 20s when I started working at the sex ed center at the University of Toronto I became surrounded by people who were sex positive and who looked at the intersection of sex and age and race and and sexual orientation and gender identity. And so those messages were really empowering for me. Um, and those are messages that I want to retain, that like you can be whoever you want. There's no one right way to do it. What works for someone else may not work for another person. And so I think I'm pretty fortunate that at 18 and 19, I was able to encounter some of those messages. And those are messages I want to retain and that matter to me. So, I mean, we spent a really long time on questions one and two, which are reflecting upon the past. So I think uh, some people may not spend that much time, but I do find that talking about our past can be insightful and there's a lot more to be said. But I think we can move on to the third question, which is very broad in scope, but it's what does sex mean to you? Meaning, like, what does it mean? What does it look like? What is sex? Oh, geez. I need to come up with an answer right now, and I, I'm just being presented with the question. I'm delaying. I, you I, have a choice. You can answer, or you can delay by singing us a song. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably answer. Um, so sex has changed for me, and it continues. It's a very dynamic. Um, I always thought of sex simply as the action, as the physical action of having sex. Now I'm starting to understand and I have learned to understand that it encompasses so much more. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm just trying to find the words to express. Well, okay, how about what counts as sex to you? And I think that's what I mean. I mean, sex to me was simply the action of having sex. You so meaning it was, like putting your penis in a vagina? Yeah, or, 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 or oral. Okay. Anything like that was was sex. I've learned that you know, sex can, doesn't have to be physical. I mean, sex or sexuality starts in the mind, so to speak. And, you know, creating that connection. I also linked sex and love together as a, 
as a child. And that was something that I was taught and reinforced in school, that you had sex with somebody that you were in love with. And that likely was part of the religious element of my upbringing. And it was, I didn't grow Even up very religious, religious, just to be clear. Uh, once I started playing hockey, as, uh, as much as I did at about the age of 10, there was no no religion. To, to clarify, Brandon went to Catholic school because Catholic schools are publicly funded here in Ontario, meaning they're free. So anybody yes. can attend them and they had a better hockey team. They had a better hockey team. <laughs> That's the only reason I went to a Catholic school. But in that environment, and I think probably a bit at home, the message was you have sex with somebody that you're in love with. So I really grappled with having casual sex as an adolescent because I remember being thinking to myself that I need to be in a relationship to show this person the respect that's needed to have sex with them. So when I was in my late teens, I remember bouncing in and out of a few relationships. I'm very sorry to those individuals that I, <laughs> that I did have fairly short relationships with, I think because of my desire to have sex and also not hurt anyone's like not do anything wrong as I had been taught. So I jumped into these relationships that weren't going to work out. We had sex, everything was respectful, but then, you know, six months or sorry, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks later, I was severing ties and not really, it wasn't fair to the individuals that I was in those relationships with. So I've been learning over the last number of years how sex can be and is a phys can be a physical activity that can be completely separated from love and relationships. I'm not saying that I wholeheartedly feel like I can completely separate them. Oh. Uh, what I mean is, if you had asked me five years ago, you know, could somebody be in you know in a relationship and be having sex with multiple different people and still have a very uh, strong healthy relationship with a partner i would say well no that's it's going to be very very difficult and now i see how well it can work when all parties are open and honest and communicate about their needs it doesn't mean it works for everybody but it works well for some people and now if you were to ask me you know, in this relationship, would I be okay? I think I'd grapple with a lot of that. I think it would be very difficult. And it's not with the actual action, as I think it is so much the social element of judgment and a lot of other things that I think play in. So, uh, you know, I, like I said from the beginning, this is a work in progress. I'm learning. I'm always taking something new and very informative out of these sessions and the people that we talk to mm -hmm. and the 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 the, uh, the people that I follow and the information that I, I read up on because there are some incredible people out there that that I have met through you and through your work that are really opening my eyes to so many different things mm -hmm. and it's great it's it's great to learn it's great to connect with those people because they bring a whole other perspective to my um to, to my awareness and i don't necessarily have to have those relationships but i can understand them and through through their eyes so would you be able to sum up what sex means to you in any yeah, way totally got off topic no there. that's okay uh 
I think that's an. I think you brought up something really important: the notion that we feel pressure to get into a relationship in order to have sex, and you don't even really. You're not using the person. You don't realize that you might be using this person, or you feel that you you can't enjoy sex unless you're in love with that person, and so you force yourself. To, to be in love. I mean, being in love, of course, is a very abstract term. It's, you know, loving someone is kind of easy as a feeling, but maybe not as easy as a verb. And I did have a relationship with somebody when I was in my, I think it was 20. And I remember trying to communicate with her that I only wanted this to be a casual relationship. And she agreed. And it was casual for a couple of months, but then there was a desire for her to want it to be more of a relationship and I didn't, and it fizzled. So that was my first attempt at having open communication. And again, this is 20 some odd years ago, 20, 20, 21 years ago. Uh, so I think that the, uh, adolescents, young adult, like anybody in their early mid twenties now or younger, they are more effective at communicating. I oh, hear yeah. it. I oh, see yeah. it. It's like, wow, you are so emotionally intelligent in comparison to where I was at your age and your ability where to, we are now. where I am now, <laughs> your ability too. to communicate. So sex to me is uh, something that I see as an integral part of my life, an integral part of this relationship. I'm learning to see it as a completely separate entity that can be removed from a relationship. Hmm. Uh, and I, I also recognize the benefits of a healthy sexual relationship, both communication and f the physical element. Yeah, well, we have research suggesting that sex is more satisfying in relationships than it is casually. Uh, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for some people in different ways. So if I had to answer that question, what does sex mean to me? I think I'd answer it a little bit differently, uh, partly because my voice is, is straining, so I'll keep it brief. And probably more intelligent than what I said. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> uh, maybe a little more simplistic than what you said. But sex to me is just anything that's that's pleasurable um, physically. So I'm not talking about eating, which is also pleasure. But you'll often hear sex experts and therapists talk about the fact that sex doesn't have to end in an orgasm. But for me, I really, I like sex to include, not necessarily end, but in an in orgasm. So it's kind of anything that could potentially produce orgasm. That doesn't mean I, I don't enjoy sex if there is no orgasm, because I really do enjoy it. I enjoy the connection, the physical closeness. I enjoy your pleasure. But to me, it's not a specific act. And in fact, I think we've worked through this over the years, because you say that you weren't concerned about kind of lasting longer. But I always felt that you and I still feel that you're you don't want to kind of finish until you know that I've had an orgasm. Yeah, it's the goal. So, and sometimes that can bother me. Yes, we know. I, I know. <laughs> no, but but for me, I don't know. It doesn't have to be like intercourse. It doesn't have to be oral. It can just be touching. Oftentimes it's talking, uh, even being held in certain ways with a certain amount of talk or rubbing. So sex to me is lots of different things. Uh, and it's certainly not just intercourse. In fact, intercourse might be kind of farther down my list of peak experiences. Um, some, not always. Sometimes I really, I do really love it. You're looking at me, I'm with like, kind of <laughs> those eyes. I'm like, huh, really? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I and, and even listening to you say this, 
it's, uh, I, again, thinking back 15, 20 years ago, I might take offense to that. Whereas now I'm trying to actively listen and hear what you're saying so that we can, it can be better the next time. And understanding also that it doesn't always have to be penetrative sex to be considered sex. And it also doesn't have to be a 10. I think there's so much pressure for sex to be hotter and wilder and, you know, kinkier or rougher or more tender or more passionate or more ecstatic. And for me, that's not really what sex is. It can be all of those things. And I love when it's all of those things. But I also really enjoy just a tune-up where I'm like passing through <laughs> and it's this an oil like, change. This was like a six. This but last a, session was a six. A six is fine for me. Like a, a, <laughs> to me, I always, you know, it's sort of like pizza. People are like, how is the pizza? Even if it's not the best pizza, it's, it's still pizza. it's still better than a salad <laughs> to me. I know other people enjoy salad. Good for you. <laughs> so we don't have a ton more time and my voice is wearing, but this moves us into our fourth question. I actually thought we'd plow through uh, more of this this exercise. So we're on question four, which is also a broad question. How important is sex to you? Sex is important, but it, its importance fluctuates based on what else is happening in my life. Hmm. So I know that it's important for us to have sex excuse me, for the connection, for the, the, the release, for the, you know, the intimacy element. But there are times where I'm stressed. I have a lot on my plate with work or with other commitments and it falls down, it falls down the ladder in terms of its ranking. And I'm okay with that because I don't feel like I need to necessarily always have it and I don't need to be chasing you to have it three times a day every single day and for people who do feel that way that's amazing but for me three times a day though don't you have to work or something <laughs> but come on we've we meet people who do express <clears throat> excuse me a constant desire uh, to be having sex three you know two three times a day and for them I if that's what you want to do, then then do it. But for me, it depends on what I've got going on. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the answer to your question. I can't remember meeting people who want it three times a day. I think sometimes it's performative. I uh, think sometimes it's it's in certain environments, people will say things like that to demonstrate how strong and how like the desire constantly is. And... I care for you and I am attracted to you and I think you're hot. And there are some times when I just don't want to have sex because I got too much else on my mind and can't get into it. Yeah, I, I have the same experience. I, I think I probably have an easier time compartmentalizing, letting stuff go. Uh, but yeah, if there's emotional stress in my life, I'm definitely not thinking about sex. We're a little bit different because I like to use sex to relieve stress and you like to be de-stressed before sex. But we've kind of figured each other out in that respect where you know how to de-stress. I know how to support you in de-stressing. If you don't want to do one specific thing, you can still like lend me a hand. <laughs> it goes both ways. It goes both ways, yeah. And the truth is when we like, when we endeavor to lend one another a hand so i'm not in the mood but you're in the mood i'm like okay 
let me do this for you. Dutch I, rudder. <laughs> Dutch rudder. <laughs> Can I do that while I sleep? Because that's perfect. <laughs> I, I do find that it puts me in the mood almost all the time. And I find the same from you. Yeah, I think when you've uh, w- w- invest a little effort and the other person is willing to receive, you know, is willing to understand and go with the flow, then yeah, it can both parties benefit. Yeah. Uh, so when I think about how important sex is to me, you know, I tend to think in numbers. So if I had to rate it from a one to 10. What's your number? Well, I feel like if I say my number, you're going to copy it. Ready on three. Okay. One, one two, two, three. Seven. seven. Shut up. Seven. Yeah. Okay, that was bold. No, I was probably anywhere between a seven and a seven and a half. Okay, yeah. I'd yeah. say about a seven. Yeah. Uh, there are days when I feel like it's a nine. I never feel like it's a 10. I never feel super desperate for it. Uh, I never feel as though it's a one because it's always sort of on my mind as something that can feel good. It doesn't mean I want it every day. I definitely, listen, I think I would want it every day if there was always something kind of new and and maybe a little bit anxiety provoking because I like that. I think I would want it every day if I didn't have to do all the work or any of the work, <laughs> not all the work, sorry. <laughs> Just, if I didn't do everything all the time. <laughs> everything. Oh. No, but if I didn't have to do the work because I've talked about this before, how I've woken up having sex, we've both been asleep and I'm like, oh my gosh, if that could happen every night. Where that, were you when that happened? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. So yeah, I would rate it as a seven. And I think an important question to follow this one is why is sex important to you? And we've touched on it, on it a little. For me, it's the physical closeness. It's the pleasure. It's the release. It's the, I think the excitement and the fact that For lack of a better word, it feels like something that I do uniquely with you, right? So it feels like something we share. Uh, And of course, ultimately, it just, I feel more relaxed and it feels damn good. (laughs) It feels so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure my answers parallel yours. And I thought that I, that that was actually one of my previous answers to one of your questions. And I think other people will have other feelings. For some people, it's a spiritual experience. For some people, it's an expression of themselves. It's tied to their identity. I wouldn't say it is for me. I I think people think because I'm a sexologist that, you know, I love sex more than anyone else or that it's super important to me, but that's not necessarily the case. I'm in this field because I believe that it's a topic that if we address more adequately, people will have happier relationships. It's not really just about having better sex. To me, it's all of the corollary benefits that come from being sexually confident, that come from talking about sex. And so these conversations, we've done a few of them on the podcast in the past. We did the passion interview relatively recently. I find these these discussions enlightening for me. And so I hope that you will give this sexual values questionnaire a try even on your own or with a partner some people find it really useful to jot down their answers first and then bring it to the table to discuss with their partner we only got through four of the 11 questions so next week while we're on still on holiday uh, we'll get through the next six or seven seven questions and we'll move maybe a little bit more efficiently i think what we'll do is we'll jot down our answers in advance just in point form and then we can bring them to the table and discuss because i I find it really useful yeah i mean i learned a lot about myself reflecting back on my childhood and my 
adolescent years and even some of the relationships, it's great to be reminded of things that did and didn't work so that you can make sure that, so for instance, in this relationship that we have right now, I'm, I'm aware and doing the things that make it better because ultimately that's what I want. And I've come to realize that when this relationship is great, so many other elements of my life, um, follow suit. Like my, my work, my other relationships, because the foundation that I have with you, which is the most important relationship in my life, uh, is great. And I have you as a source of support. And, uh, and that way, when I need a little extra time at work or I have something that pops up and I want to go to it, you're supportive of me and vice versa. Yeah, and the data supports that when you're happy in your intimate relationships or your familiar familial relationships, uh, then you're happier and more fulfilled in life. And of course, I acknowledge that not everyone's in a relationship. And if you have other close social ties, you reap the same benefits. If you have, you know, a very close best friend or a group of friends, similarly, you might not have one partner, you might have multiple partners. So Brandon, you talk about this as the foundation. And, and actually, this is something we can talk about in the future, that can feel like a little bit of pressure. Uh, although we seem to have worked it out, you know, fairly nicely. But for other people, they have multiple sources of intimate relationships, mm-hmm. just like people can love multiple children, they can love multiple partners. And so I know folks out there listening uh, definitely fall into all of these various buckets and their custom designing. And we're all kind of, you know, working through it together. So uh, thanks, babe, for very slowly working through these questions. Thank you to you for listening. We are coming up on 2020, wishing you the happiest holiday season wherever you're at. Hopefully you're getting a break, feeling good with yourself, feeling good with the people with whom You've surrounded yourself and a happy new year for 2020 because I think when we come back, it'll be a brand new year. So thanks for listening. Thanks to you, babe. Thanks to Desire Resorts for their ongoing support of this podcast. Check them out at Desire Experience. And wherever you're at, we hope you have a great one. Hey, girl. (laughs) Happy new year. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.